Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, if you got your Bibles, uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. So, uh, my wife and I uh, just got back, when did we get back? Uh, Friday. We just got back Friday. We've been, it was uh, a great experience. We took uh, two dogs to Florida that we had sold and uh, took them to their new owners. I nearly came home with two dogs, not because the owners did anything wrong. It's just that I kind of got attached to them little boogers. But uh, anyway, we, we uh, took two dogs, and because everything was kind of paid for, because we were delivering dogs, we decided to stay in Florida. God decided to send a tropical storm right when we left. Thank you, God. <laughs> we were sitting out at, on a patio at P.F. Chang's watching a tropical storm come in. I love them Florida people. Like, we know there's a tropical storm coming in. Can we sit outside? They're like, sure. All right. So we went and sat outside. So we, we did all of that and just had an amazing time, um, you know, whenever we, I wanted to get away and, you know, when you get away, man, I have a bad habit and I know I'm the only one when you're trying to go on vacation or get away, um, <laughs> I tried not to stress or worry, I just wanted to hang out with my wife and hang out with God without any stress or worrying or anything like that. And for the most part, I, I, I did pretty good. It was pretty much, I mean, the, the epitome of our stress on this vacation was, do you want to go to the amusement park or do you want to sit on the beach? You know, that, that was the, the highlight of our stress. By the way, we did go to Bush Gardens and we rode every roller coaster they had. Took us about nine hours, but we did it. We even paid 30 bucks extra a piece to be able to eat anywhere we wanted for not, every 90 minutes. We took them for all they had. Chick-fil-A was on that menu. Woo! You can run through 30 bucks at Chick-fil-A and two spicy chicken sandwiches. So we did all that. And then it was tropical storm or whatever they call them things was coming. And it was time for us to head back to Colorado. And we did. We got on a flight from, from Tampa to uh, St. Louis and then St. Louis to Denver. And on that on that deal from Tampa. I don't know what it is about Florida, but we froze to death in Florida. Anytime, them people are so serious about it not being hot, they keep everything on 55 degrees. We'd be out on the beach, it'd be feeling good. We'd walk in and get cold. And so it was even on the plane ride, we got cold, but I love, I, I'm married to Cammie, which I call her Camazon Prime because she's prepared for anything. I'm like, it's cold. She pulls out a comforter out of her carry-on. I got us, babe. Well, cover us up. So she put it on our laps like, like the little old people that we are. And we just sat there. I read my book. She watched a movie. I don't laugh out loud at my books, but when her headphones are in, she laughs like a horse during the movie. And everybody turns around and looks, and I just smile. That's my girl, right? So I'm sitting there, and I've got an aisle seat, which was amazing, by the way, because God answered two prayers because I forgot to check in on Southwest, which means you got an A boarding group, a B boarding group, and the middle seat boarding group, right? We were in the middle, we were on the lower end, like the back end of the sit in the middle seat. So I didn't think there was any way I was gonna be able to sit with my wife. 
But sure enough, we get to the back of the plane. There's two seats right there side by side. Thank you, Jesus. We sat down, covered ourselves up. Man, life is good. I had a nice vacation. I am all smiles sitting there with my little comforter on my lap, arm around my girl as she watches her movie on her phone. And this little girl comes down the aisle, right? And she makes eye contact with me. And like, I think she recognizes me because her eyes get really big. And she puts her hand over her mouth and pukes. Listen, listen, there's nothing I could do. I'm a ninja, okay? But there was not going to be any avoiding the vomit without collateral damage. So let me show you my ninja move. I was sitting there with my arm around. She walked by. I saw a puke coming. I just closed my eyes. I didn't even turn my head. There was no time. It was out. I'm pretty sure what she had to eat was Doritos, cottage cheese, and curry chicken. <laughs> You're welcome. I want to be sure that y'all are there with me, okay? But <laughs> you're never going to be eating curry chicken again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was like throwing up Play-Doh, right? And it lands right beside me. And I just shut my, I just kept my eyes closed. Tammy didn't even realize what had happened, right? So the good man that I am, I just kind of leaned forward and just turned my back to it. Because I don't want to sit there and stare at it, right? And she's like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. She looks at me like I'm never not doing nothing, right? She goes, what are you doing? I said, somebody puked right there. She looks. She's like, where? And she's like, don't you do it. If you do it, this is going to set off a chain reaction. This is going to be on Google News. Right? You stay right there. She's like, okay, okay, I'm good. I said, it was kind of like Play-Doh coming through her fingers. She goes, stop it. <laughs> so I spent the rest of the time, ever so often, reminding her that it was there. It gets worse. The worst part about it was, we're sitting in the back, and I can hear the stewardesses arguing because they're like, I ain't cleaning it up. Well, I ain't cleaning it up. That ain't my job. Well, it's the head stewardess or a steward, whatever. And he's like, I'm at the front of the plane. That's y'all's area. Y'all clean it up. So let me tell you how they cleaned it up. And you know what? I don't blame them, just so y'all know. I am not, this is not a knock on any airline person at all. They did probably exactly what I would do. They took 4,000 cocktail napkins and then covered it with plastic trash bags. You could still see the lump. It was gross. But I was kind of thankful that it was right beside me because in order to look at it, I had to look at it, right? The poor people behind me, it was right in their line of vision. So there was something good about it happening right next to you. But I thought, man, they just, they just covered that up. And I got to thinking during this Apocalypse, <laughs> thank you. I kind of worked on that. I like that. That what I thought was stress free and worry free, I wasn't really stress free and worry free on my vacation. I'd just been covering it up. It was still there. It was just covered up by 4,000 cocktail napkins, uh, uh, one Modelo on the, on the beach, and uh, a lot of sun. They were still there. They just covered it up. And it was on that plane ride with a literal pile of puke next to me, when God decided to start talking to me about this. 
And this is what, this is the verse that he, that I, I don't want to say I came up with it, but he didn't like whisper it in my ear. He wasn't like, Kevin, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Therefore, this is found in Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, wor- will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What does that mean? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not Jesus. I wasn't the author of that. I can make some very educated guesses, but I'm going to tell y'all what God revealed to me personally about it and see if maybe y'all can't get something out of the same thing. You know, I was, I was talking to a friend last night uh, ju- just on text, and he, he's one of these guys that, uh, he's one of the guys that I can call. And um, he's a Texan, he's a, he's a great man, but it was kind of weird, bless you, it was kind of weird whenever he calls and says, man, it's kind of a, a different level of, of hard going on right now. And he started telling me about some of the stuff that he was going through. And all I could say is, you're right, that's, that's next level difficult. That's next level difficult. And so we kind of started talking about it. And he goes, you know, I know I'm strong enough to get through this, but man, strong ain't easy right now. And I thought, man, ain't that the truth? Strong ain't easy, is it? Easy ain't strong, and strong ain't easy. Today we're going to talk about how to take the long road to real strength. We're not talking about an overnight fix on anything. We're talking about kind of, if there was an advanced class in Christian living, this would be the first class, okay? This is advanced Christian uh, concepts, Um it's kind of like today, I'm going to give you a Christian workout plan that would take you from, let's say, spiritually, you're one of these people that can't really bring the groceries in without getting out of breath, and I'm going to ask you to run a 5K, okay? But I'm going to prepare you to take you from somebody that, that can't bring in the groceries without getting winded to being able to run a 5K. This is not an overnight fix. This is something that we start working on now, and we are not going to reap the benefits of it tomorrow or next week or probably not even next month. But you will reap the benefits of it. But strong ain't easy. And everything I'm going to tell you today, you have to be strong to do it. And strong ain't easy. Most of the, how do you deal with stress? How do you deal with stress? Do you get mad? Do you go play golf? You know, do you go rope? Do you try to get horseback? What is it that you do when it comes to dealing with stress? I think that what I'm fixing to say is, is one of the meanings behind, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here it is. Most of the stress that you feel in your life isn't about, isn't about the problem that's causing the stress. The problem doesn't cause the stress. Listen, most of the stress we feel is contained in our response to the problem, not the problem. Think about that real carefully. The problem doesn't cause the stress. The stress comes in when we try to figure out how we're going to deal with the problem. If we cover up stress all the time with Things like knee-jerk reactions to problems, okay? There's a problem in our life, and we just immediately react, right? That knee-jerk reaction. Somebody's rude to us, we're rude right back, right? It's that knee-jerk reaction. Y'all want to, 
Y'all want to know what my biggest knee-jerk reaction problem is? Get this. So we go to DIA to fly out. God's not even up yet, okay, when we have to get to the airport, right? And so just a bunch of sinners. That's all it was in the airport, just a bunch of sinners because we're not supposed to be up that early. It's not the way God intended it. So God is still asleep, and therefore I get, an, I get a pass. No, I don't get a pass. So anyway, where we come out is by the North Security Checkpoint, right? So that's where we go is to the North Security Checkpoint because we're right there. We get there, and it's only for TSA pre-check. There's no sign saying don't go this way if you're not TSA pre-check. So we go and we stand in line only to say, you have to go to the other end. So we go to the other end, and I'm cool. I don't like it, but hey, no big deal. So we're hiking. This puppy that I've got in a puppy carrier has gone from 8 pounds to 78 by now, right? He's even tired, so I unzip the side, and he's got his old head sticking out like it's a, wind, like a window on a car. He's like trying to sniff everybody we go by. I'm lugging this big Sky Terrier around. And we're walking, and these people are doing the exact same thing that we, they're going, they come down the same deal we do, and they're going over there. Because I love my fellow man, and that I have been called by God to love my neighbors, I look at this man and woman walking, and I say, don't go that way if you're not pre-check. And he looks at me, he goes, I know, and just keeps walking. How many of y'all have ever mouthed off as you walk by? You're welcome! Y'all do it, don't you? You do, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You're welcome. Tammy's like, shh. God no, God didn't tell me to do that. Oh my gosh. Knee-jerk reactions. Listen, the problem isn't the problem. The stress comes from how we try to figure out how we're gonna deal with the problem. We cover up uh real wisdom with knee-jerk reactions instead of prayer and wisdom. Instead of praying about a situation and going, God, what? how would you handle this? Or how would you have me handle this? Because y'all know what I say. I hate the what would Jesus do? Jesus would walk on water. I'm probably not going to be able to do that, okay? So I just try to, what would Jesus kind of be proud of if I handled it that way? Not what would Jesus do? How would Jesus have me do it where he would be proud of me? So uh, knee-jerk reactions don't accomplish that. It just covers the problem up. You know what else is a cover-up for stress? I'm talking to you cowboys, male or female. Some of the best cowboys I know are girls. Listen, cowboys, you brag about common sense. I know you do. You brag about common sense, but bragging about our common sense and then stressing out over things that we have no control over isn't common sense, cowboys, right? What can you do about it? Well, there's nothing I can do about it then why are you stressing over it, right? We brag about our common sense, but then we just sit there and stress over everything that we do not have control over. That's another way that we just cover stress up. You know what else is a cover-up? Hmm. Another way we cover up the mess in our life is by thinking that overthinking is going to fix something. Nobody in here overthinks about anything, do they? <laughs> Last night when I was talking to my friend, I said, what are you doing? He said, Sitting in my garage, smoking my one cigarette of the week, having my one drink of the week, and overthinking everything. <laughs> right? Because that's what we do, right? We think that overthinking 
is going to fix it. You know what? We don't ever really think about the problem. We try to find an easy way out of the problem. That's where the overthinking comes from. <sighs> you can't just cover up a problem, guys. I mean, it might make it where you can't see it, but unfortunately, you can still see the hump and the smell is still there, right? Why worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow has its own stuff. It's not the problem that's a problem. It's our reaction to the problem that is actually the problem. So if you've been stressed out lately and you've had some knee-jerk reactions or maybe you've been overthinking or stressing or something like that, remember, we're all in it together. We all do it. And strong ain't easy. Strong is not easy. The other thing, the next thing that we can, that kind of came to mind was this. Nothing is the worst thing you can do. Nothing is the worst thing that you can do. Because, listen, when it comes to stress and dealing with problems in our life, you can't expect something to happen by doing nothing, okay? If anything, it's just going to get worse, or somebody else is going to have to clean something up. Doing nothing is another way that we cover up things like nothing is wrong. And you think, well, I don't just do nothing, do you? Because I do. Let me tell you some ways that I do nothing in response to a problem. You know what a form of doing nothing about a problem is? We've already mentioned it. Overthinking. You're not doing anything by overthinking. That has no action to it except creating a dialogue in your mind about the way that you wish things would go that would make it not what's best for everybody, but what's easiest on us. That's what overthinking does. It is the highest form of doing nothing. Now, I didn't say not to think about it. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about the obsessive overthinking. You cannot let it go. Four days later, it is still dominating your thoughts. Listen, you're overthinking it. it the problem probably isn't that big of a deal if you just handled it like God said to. And if it involves another person, I can tell you right now, go listen to a sermon from a few weeks back that says if, somebody, if, if there's a problem with somebody, go talk to them about it. Well, but they might get mad and yell at me. Well, that's, that's a possibility. How about you let, take that little 20-second butt-chewing instead of the 60 days of stress and overthinking about everything? Overthinking is the highest form of doing nothing. It makes you feel like you're doing something about it, but listen, you're not. You're not doing anything about it except creating more problems and you're making a plan that if one little thing falls through, it's all going to fall apart anyway. It makes us feel like we're handling things, but really, we're just searching for the easy way out, not wisdom. That's the first way that we do nothing in regards to a problem. The second way we do nothing in response to a problem is we start assuming, well, why did this happen? Well, I think because of all of my overthinking that this happened because this and 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 this. They acted like that because of this and this and this and this and this. The reason they're such a jerk and I'm not is because of this and this and this and this and this and this, right? The way it works. Assuming is a way of doing nothing. This is how we set ourselves up for disaster. And then we pat ourselves on the back for figuring it out because we assume we know why. We assume that we have the right answer. Listen, there is a 99% chance that you were wrong when you're trying to figure out why someone is acting like they do. You don't know why. 
you don't know why. And overthinking it and assuming isn't going to lead you to the right answer. Okay? Listen, assumptions, listen, listen to this. Assumptions are the diving board into a pool of problems. Okay? Think about that. Assumptions are a diving board into a pool of problems. We think, I mean, we just, look at how we're going, yay! And we dive right into even more problems than what we had starting off with. So doing nothing is the worst that you can do. We do nothing by overthinking. That does nothing. We do nothing by assuming. That does not help anything. And finally, doing nothing is the worst thing that you can do. You know what else is something? <laughs> hurt feelings. Getting your feelings hurt doesn't do anything. Listen, and I'm not saying it's not real, okay? I'm not saying it's not real. This right here is my biggest problem. You want to know why it's my biggest problem? Because I try to do the right thing nearly every single time. And you know what? I still have problems. Doing the right thing does not cause a lack of problems in your life. Doing the right thing sets you up to deal with the problems effectively and efficiently. Hurt feelings don't do nothing. And listen, we're going to, this is, I want you to know that when I wrote these words, I was looking at myself in the mirror. If the shoe fits, you lace that thing up and wear it. Or if you're a cowboy, if the boot fits, tuck your pants in, put your spurs on, and pull it all the way up. Okay? Overthinking and assuming inevitably lead to hurt feelings and then division. Nothing good ever comes from getting your feelings hurt. Okay? Listen, this is going to be tough. I say this with love in my heart. Strong ain't easy. Strong ain't easy. Getting your feelings hurt is the most selfish and prideful thing that you can do. Getting your feelings hurt is the most selfish and prideful thing that you can do. It's also the most natural. Poor, pitiful me. Why did they treat me like that? I would never do that to them. Why did they do that to me? Okay? Getting your feelings hurt is the most selfish and prideful thing you can do. It's also the most natural. And you know what else it does? You don't know why there's such an a, uh, onslaught of people whether you call it getting offended or getting your feelings hurt, whatever the case may be, is because it makes us feel self-righteous. And when you feel self-righteous, you're not wrong. The other person is wrong. Do you see how this is going towards division instead of reconciliation? Can you see how that this is going towards creating more problems, not solving one? Getting your feelings hurt automatically makes us right in our own mind. Well, they hurt our feelings, they're wrong. They hurt my feelings, they're wrong. It happens. And, and, and I do this, guys. And I hate it. And I do it. What happens when you automatically think that you're right? It's called self-righteousness. And it is a high form of the negative part of pride that God warns us about. Oh, and by the way, just this is for me also. Kevin, getting mad is just a sad. Getting mad is just a subcategory of getting your feelings hurt. Because when you get mad, you think you're right, don't you? I mean, I don't know that anybody's ever gotten mad and go, I'm so mad right now because I'm so wrong. Nobody ever does that, right? We get mad at other people because we're right and they're wrong. Isn't it amazing how we take a look at things, how much we cover stuff up, how we just put the cocktail napkins over everything and just think it's going to go away, how we create more problems. So if you're prone to overthinking, assuming, and getting your feelings hurt, remember, strong ain't easy. Strong ain't easy. Quit stressing out about how, just, just deal with the problem and deal with it now or pray about it and deal with it. Don't overthink it. I mean, 
My gosh, it, 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 it's kind of common sense. If somebody offends you, you go to that person and you talk to them about it. You can even say, hey, man, you know, I couldn't help, but, or I probably could help, but this made me feel like this. And, I, and, and every time I've ever used that, I've always been the one that was wrong. They didn't mean it like that. Maybe they said it, but they were having a bad day, just like I've had a bad day. And finally, that brings us to the third thing of how we just cover stuff up. See, a lot of Christians aren't doing what they're supposed to do because I just don't know what God wants me to do. I haven't found that big purpose in my life. Did you know that you don't need a big purpose in your life? As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to shock some people by saying this, that you know Save the Cowboy is not my purpose in life. It's not. Neither is a simplified cowboy version. Neither is cowboying. It's not my purpose in life. Living on a ranch is not my purpose in life. None of that is my purpose in life. It's not even being a good husband. It's not even being a good father. Those are not my purposes in life. If you want to ask me what my purpose is in life, my sense of purpose in life is to have a personal relationship with Jesus and live every day for God, depending on the Holy Spirit for help. A personal relationship with Jesus and living every day for God and depending upon the Holy Spirit for, for, for help in doing that. That is my purpose. Save the Cowboy is an element of how I share the gospel of my personal relationship with Christ. But listen, save the, even though it's an outflow, if Save the Cowboy was to disappear, my purpose in life is not gone. My purpose in life didn't change just because I wasn't in Kiowa for a week. I was still fulfilling my purpose in following God each and every day, whether I'm on a horse or on a beach. My purpose remains the same. 